Ladies and gentlemen, this is America's Healthcare Advocate. Broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Your guide to protecting your personal health. Bringing you simplified answers to the complex questions surrounding healthcare. Everything from cancer to liver transplants. Nutrition. Exercise. My yoga and Pilates instructor, Dana Goodale. Mental health and even pet care. Dr. Wayne Hunthausen, Westwood Animal Hospital. Empowering you to take control of your health and wellness. My very special guest today, Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Welcome back, Grace Marie. Well, Carrie, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I do have to say, you are the most knowledgeable about health policy. Just superlative. And now, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. And now, America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HI Radio Network. My producer, Ms. Shaley Henning. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us and making us one of the most listened to talk shows throughout the United States. One of our newest affiliates, 957 in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, 957 the Cape. FM in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Very happy to have them on board. And I uh, want to thank all the folks down there for putting us on the air down there. It's a great station. Actually, that's the station that uh, Rush Limbaugh started out on. So it was kind of cool to be sitting in the same studio there doing radio when I was down there about a month ago. So if you want to uh, follow me on Facebook, you can do that at America's Healthcare Advocate. That's the Facebook page, America's Healthcare Advocate. Also, as I always inform you, all these shows are on the podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast. Uh, they're they're up there on all the podcast platforms, so you can you you can access a show you want to tell somebody about a show. That's where you go. All that information is there. You can also reach out directly to us. The website americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. If you've got a question, comment, I can help you with something. Please feel free to do that. I had a lady the other day from Washington State um, who had actually listened to a podcast on a show we had done a year ago on bioidentical hormone replacement. So we got her some information with some folks that are going to help her, but if we can help you, we're more than happy to do it. The website is americashealthcareadvocate.com. Send me an email if you've got a question or a comment. All right, if you are looking for health insurance, you're chronologically challenged. The lovely Joyce Thompson at RPS Benefits by Design is happy to help you anywhere in the country, 877-385-2224. She is there to help you anytime, 877-385-2224. If you're looking for Medicare or individual health insurance, she can certainly help you. And Mr. Nate Tate, is there to help you if you're looking for employer-sponsored health care, uh, feel free to give him a call at that same number, 877-385-2224. All right, I want to welcome to the show our guest today, Kyle Kaiser, CEO of RX Review. Welcome, Kyle. Great to have you on board. Thanks, Carrie. Glad to be here. You're joining us from Washington State, right? I am. I'm joining you from just outside Seattle. Okay, there you go. So is it raining in Washington State today, or is the sun shining and it's bright? Sunny and beautiful here okay. in Washington State. Uh, say, say we got, we got, begun, yeah, we got, yeah, we got your weather day and you got ours, so that worked out fairly well. <laughs> so, so a little bit about Kyle. Kyle Kaiser is the chief executive officer at RX View, the industry leader in real-time prescription drug benefit services. His role he focuses on creating more seamless, cost-effective prescribing experiences for patients, providers since 2013. Kyle has helped develop innovative prescription decision support solutions, which allow providers to select appropriate medication 
education options for their patients by partnering with physicians, health plans, IT vendors, health systems. RxView is driving data transparency and better patient care nationwide. You know, that's one thing in this industry that has been missing for a long time, Kyle. Uh, you know, from PBMs and, and uh, you know, across the board is transparency. So before we get into a little about what you all are doing, talk a little bit about that whole transparency issue because there's a lot of pushback on prescription drug transparency in this country. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting time for sure. There's been more more legislation in the last, I don't know, six to nine months around price transparency from every stakeholder in the healthcare supply chain um, than there has been in the last 30 years. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's definitely one of those ideas whose time has come, right? It's, it's, it's primarily due to the shift of cost from, uh, you know, what was once absorbed in a risk pool now to the shoulders of patients, right? Over the last several decades, we've made a pretty massive shift to consumer-directed health care to sort of, you know, high-deductible health plans and, and first-dollar risk being placed on the individual. And uh, I, I think this is, you know, the push for transparency is, is in response to that. Patients are demanding to know more about the prices of things and and, and being willing to make decisions based on some of those things uh, where appropriate. Yeah, and, you know, the, the, I, you know, I think it's important for the audience to understand that the prescription drug cost makes up between 25 and 30 percent of the total cost of, 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 of health insurance. Is that a reasonable assumption? Yeah, it depends on the line of business. That's probably more like a Medicare share. But, you know, safe, safe to say 18 to 20 percent across the board is, is more or less uh, an Rx benefit or prescription benefit. Yeah, and and you know when you talk about cost shifting, and that has occurred, as you said, as we get you know as we change the way that we're delivering healthcare with a lot of these plans where there are higher deductibles, and unfortunately, what happens, especially in the smaller employer-sponsored plans, is they find themselves adding to the deductible, adding to the co-insurance, adding to the co-pays because the premiums are going up and they can't afford to keep the insurance in place, so they cost shift and move it off to the consumer, and that's how this whole cycle starts, right? Yeah, that's right. I, I, I don't envy the position of brokers and consultants who are trying to solve those problems these days, right? You don't, you just don't have a ton of tools except for, uh, you know, increased costs for the plan sponsor and increased costs for the member. And, and both of those are challenging options for a variety of reasons. Yeah, they are. So let's talk about that a little bit because what you do and what RX Review does is provide those kinds of tools. Let's talk a little bit about those kinds of tools. Sure. Yeah. Well, Maybe take it up a level here just to think about the fact that uh, in no other place in our society does someone make a purchasing decision for you without any without you having any knowledge of the cost implications of that decision. Well, that's how that's how prescriptions were selected in this country. For, you know, since the sort of advent of e-prescribing in the early 2000s, it's the doctor without knowledge of how much things cost, where you are in your plan design, how this might impact your your out-of-pocket costs were. We're having to make decisions in isolation. You know, they weren't connected to sort of the marketplace, um, and they were only making decisions based on sort of what was in front of them. So, you know, what was presenting clinically and, and what they knew about sort of what was the most appropriate choice. And so what we do is we are connecting that clinical decision-making process to the marketplace. We want to uh, provide an opportunity uh, for providers and their care teams to consider cost, to consider plan design, to consider all of the things that stand in between a patient and receiving care while making those decisions. Uh, that's that's no small task. Uh, you know, there's an enormous amount of complexity just in the pricing aspects of healthcare, as you know. 
but there's also enormous amount of complexity in integrating into the clinical systems that providers use. So we, you know, we we picked a a tough mission to accomplish, but I think we've done a pretty incredible job. Uh, the the team has uh, now connected to you know, nearly 300,000 providers on the on the clinical end of our system. We've got 150 million or more. Um, health plan members within the network, that's that's uh, members with whom we can exchange data around price. Um, and so we're doing this at a, at a pretty significant scale. We're, you know, probably doing, we'll do 100 million or so uh, real-time benefit checks uh, this year, and um, it's, it's, uh, it's off and running. And, and that's, you know, quite remarkable, 300,000 providers. And we're going to go to break here in about two minutes, but how important is the transparency piece of this? Well, I mean, it, it, you know, think about the in, – in a world where deductibles were low, uh, formularies were simple, and the, the cost associated with those tiers on the formulary were 5 10 15 bucks. it was fine for a provider to, to make a decision that, that only considered the clinical aspects of things. But now, because of consumer-driven health care, because of high-deductible health plans, because the patient is bearing first-dollar risk in so many cases – that it's just a requirement, right? Patients are demanding that they can have those conversations with their providers about not only what's clinically appropriate, but what they can afford, because many times there are therapeutically equivalent options that might be considered that the doctor just didn't know, right? It's it's a truly unsolvable problem from a physician's perspective, because if you think about it, you know, there's, what, 20, 30 patients walking into a clinic on a given day Let's say those are associated with five or six different health plans, but, you know, and your audience is probably more familiar with many of those are going to be self-funded plans. They're going to be pharmacy benefit carve-outs, and very quickly the options are untenable. Yeah, they narrow. What we've created a a system to do is is in real time, based on your pharmacy, your benefits today, uh, how much is this going to cost you? So the goal is to really empower that provider to be able to, to guide their patients and their own decision-making around uh, cost considerations where they couldn't before. And that is, that is something completely different, folks, than what's been going on, as, as Kyle said, for the last 20, 30 years, whatever the case may be. So we come back from the break. We're going to continue this conversation with Kyle Kaiser, CEO of RX Review. Their website is rxrevu, so it's rxrevu.com. You can go up there and request a demo. If you're a broker uh, or you're a TPA or maybe you're a provider of this is something you're interested in, you can go to the website. It's a great website, a lot of information up there. You can go there, and uh, they'll be happy to get a demo and connect with you. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast-to-coast across the USA. Stay tuned. We've got more after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast-to-coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Our producer, the always perfect Miss Shaley Henning. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us today. Joining me by phone from up around the Seattle, Washington area, Kyle Kaiser, CEO of RX Review. RX Review, their website is rxrevu.com. 
rxrevu.com. Maybe you're a broker out there with a lot of you know self-fund clients. We just had one the other day uh, signed a contract for 900 lives. If you've got something like that, this might be of interest to you. Go up there and request a demo and see if you can work with these people. Uh, it, what they're doing is very, very different. They're partnering with some really big people. They're partnering with Cerner. They're partnering with a lot of different people around the country, and they really do know what they're doing, and they're doing a very good job of it. We're going to talk more about that. So let's go back, Kyle, and talk about this a little bit, because the cost of Medicare you know, it's, it, we love to throw rocks at pharmaceutical companies in this country. That is until we're the one that needs that medication, okay? And then, and then it's a different deal, okay? But, you know, we, we, when you hear all the people talking about, you know, the pharmaceutical company is making too much money and they're this and that and, 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 and the, the, the constant drama that surrounds pharmaceutical in this country because it's not nationalized like Canada, like Europe, like the rest of it. But then you get a drug like the hep C drug that literally knocks out uh, a disease that, is, that, that, that can kill you and is debilitating as hell. Talk a little bit about that whole, you know, what that cost, what that was like, and what that was like when that was dumped in the laps of the carriers, Medicare, and all the rest, and how they had to adapt to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, Kerry, that's a great example in, uh, of a drug that delivered an enormous amount of value, right? Like it cured a disease that would have been and is, is a lifelong chronic condition, if not solved by this medication. I think the challenge, though, to your point, is, is where that expense was incurred, right? Is that at most, most of the cost associated with treating hep C would sort of, would have been a sort of an end of life experience, right? Yeah. And so when you, when you take a drug that's, uh, you know, Sovali, I think is probably the good example where now it's curing the disease, but it's doing that at a much earlier stage in life and probably impacting, you know, those risk-bearing entities that wouldn't have incurred that cost otherwise. It just shocks the system. Right. And it's not that it's not important. It's not that it's not the right thing to do. It absolutely is. And it's not that it's not a drug uh, whose value is in relationship to its price. Because honestly, I think if any of us were faced with a, a lifelong chronic condition, I think that you'd be willing to pay the price. It's just that, you know, the system's not set up for, to pay for it in those ways. So I think you, you know, and, and it's two things. It's one, you know, a lot of times if it is sort of mostly end of life stuff, then Medicare is sort of the insurer of last resort for many of those populations, but also member churn, right? Is the health plan doesn't hold on to a member more than a, you know, two years uh, in general uh, or on average. So, um, you know, it's hard to justify all of that upfront expense where the value is accrued over the life of a patient when you're only holding on to a member for a couple of years. So it's, it's just that these things come into the system uh, that's not designed to handle them and sort of shakes the tree um, and, and they don't fit in the way reimbursement works, right? And it's, so it's you got to find more creative ways to to deal with them. We yeah. as an industry have to find more creative ways to deal with them. Yeah, and th- and that's really what you're talking about because you made an interesting comment. You know, if you're the one that's got the Hep C, uh, and and you know this can cure that disease, you'll go out and take a second mortgage on your house if you can't get it uh, <laughs> through the insurance carrier right. because you're talking about life or death. I mean, it's really pretty simple. Okay. The other thing is it's interesting that you mentioned is you know end of life. So this is where it gets kind of tricky. You, you, you talk about, you know, this isn't going to be covered or that's not going to be covered, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you, and then the insurance carrier winds up, you know, at, with an end-of-life expense that – and this is absolutely a fact – that that is where the largest amount of dollars for health care are spent in this country are spent on end-of-life. And that, that involves those of us that are chronologically challenged. So, you know, for the most part. So – when you when you factor those things in, how does all that come into focus? Yeah, I mean that's that's a 
it's quite a complicated issue for sure. I and I think it's, you know, similar to the drug issue, right? Is that, that that's one of those that makes a ton of sense and abstract until you're faced with it personally. And then you, you know, you do anything you can to preserve time with a loved one or yourself. So it's a, it's, it's hard to know how to deal with the, the sort of palliative end of life care and, and reduce those costs. I don't think anybody wants to make those decisions individually. No, and they don't, but you know, which begs the question then, you know, if the system starts to change and work better, and we're going to talk about what, you know, how you guys facilitate that in the next segment in some detail, but if we're treating this stuff up front and you're weighing that against what is it going to cost end of life, okay? So the drug costs $36,000, but but a liver transplant costs what, okay? You know, yeah, right, right, the right. liver alone, right. the liver alone is one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, depending on the hospital you go to. All right, uh, and then yep. there's the procedure on top of that, and then there's the you know all the medications after that, so that your body will adapt. I mean, when you compare that to the cost of the medication, doesn't that start to bring this into focus a little bit as to why it makes more sense to look at this stuff in in that light and maybe upfront and not as uh, you know, and and not just look at it in a singular lens of oh, it's thirty six thousand dollars. We can't afford to do that. We being the insurance sure. company, Medicare, VA, pick one, anyone. Uh, it's the same story as you go down the line, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's just I think our challenge is right. The marketplace is just not designed to handle those scenarios at the moment. That's that's I think the opportunity is to make sure that we can you know pay for those things of value, but make sure that the value is then something that is experienced across the industry. Because ultimately, you're not going to hang onto a member long enough to experience the re- reduction in cost. You just got to know as, a, as an insurer, when you pay for those things that, and, and if everyone's paying for them comprehensively, then ultimately everybody's better off at the end of the day. Yeah, because you're distributing the load, okay, and then that makes that affordable. So that, because the hep C drug is available now and it's covered by insurance, um, you know. That's right. Yeah, and so, so it has got, you know, it, it has gotten to a point now where it's affordable, but I think a lot of that probably has to do with, like you said, if you're hanging on to a member for two years or more and you're the carrier, okay, or you're Medicare, okay, or you're the VA, um, you can look at that upfront cost or you're going to look at what am I going to pay for the, for the, for care for this individual as they continue to decline in health. And then if they decide that they want to, they want to get on a list for a liver transplant, what's that going to cost compared to what it would cost to take this medication that is a miracle drug in reality because it knocks hep C completely out of the ballpark and it's out of your system and you're cured, which when you, when you think about it, speaks very highly of our pharmaceutical industry and their research and development in this country, I think. So when we come back from the break, I'm going to ask Kyle to get into how they're doing all of this. How are they facilitating this with providers? How are they facilitating with vendors? Um, you know, how is, how is all that coming together to improve, and this is the important part, to improve the patient experience, which is what they're trying to do here? Because remember what he said, this is the one one of the things in healthcare. You know, you don't know what you're paying until you walk up to the pharmacy counter and they tell you what you owe. Uh, that that's the whole idea behind this program and how they're trying to change this, and they are changing it. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. The website, if you want information, is rxrevu, rxrevu.com. If you're interested, you can go up to the website and look it up. If you're a broker or a TPA, administrator, whatever the case may be, request a demo, they'll be happy to chat with you. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting on the HI Radio Network, Coast to coast across the USA. We've got more. Stay tuned.
Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. All the shows are up there, podcast platforms. Maybe you're a broker out there, an HR director. Maybe you're a hospital system, whatever the case may be. Um, The podcast platform is up there. Tune in, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Play, all of it. Um, This show will be up there. If you want to tell somebody about it or discuss it, go up to the podcast platform. You can listen to it. My producer, Ms. Shaley Henning. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. Joining me from uh, sunny Washington Washington State today up around Seattle, Washington, Kyle Kaiser, CEO of RX Review, their website, rxrevu.com. It's a great website. I've been up there, uh, spent a lot of time on it. They really do a great job up there. It's called rxrevu.com. The little form up there, if you want a demo just to see what this is about and if it's a fit for you, it might be helpful. If you're an independent broker doing a lot of self-funded work, you're, maybe you're in that Pareto contrarian read captive, this is something you might want to take a look at. Okay, um, So, again, the website, rxrevu.com. All right, so let's kind of talk about how you do this. You're bringing together vendors, you know, health plans, um, uh, uh, providers, all of this together and providing this data. And I think the key takeaway here that I want people to understand, Kyle, is you're not trying to take away anything from anybody or prevent them from getting it. It's quite the opposite. You're, you're focused on enhancing the patient experience. Am I right or wrong? That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, the, um, before our technology was available, the, the way that formulary information got into the EMR system was a flat file moved from entity to entity. So plan sponsor sends it to their TPA or health plan, who sends it to the BBM, who sends it to an intermediary, who sends it to the EMR system, who hope, you know, and then we hope that the health system is downloading that file on some regularity. So even when that happens perfectly, there's going to be a data lag and there's going to be inconsistencies in that data because it actually has to move from organization to organization. We're talking about like an Excel sheet here. And so uh, what's important in the big change is instead of that process, we are now able to say uh, in a sub-second transaction, uh, we send a transaction out to your associated PBM or health plan. What we get back in return is the price at your preferred pharmacy um, today based on your plan design and where you are in your deductible, what's coverage phase you're in, depending on the line of business, and any low-cost alternatives that may exist. Those come in two forms. It might be a lower-cost pharmacy uh, or it might be a lower-cost medication. Um, and so in either of those cases, we, we inject that into the provider's native e-prescribing workflow. So this is not a different screen they have to go to. This is not a, you know, a portal. This is not a notification on their iPhone. This is the, the tools they're already using to e-prescribe. We are a data network that's populating those tools. So when they are choosing those medications, we're able to then inject some of that information that I just highlighted, patient out-of-pocket, coverage exceptions, alternatives, so that where there are lower-cost alternatives, the doc can consider those uh, on behalf of their patient. Ultimately, the reason that piece of real estate in this moment of intervention is so important is because the provider is who the patient trusts, right? That's the most leveraged relationship in the supply chain. People seek out conversations with their provider when they have something wrong with them or have a question about their health. They tolerate conversations with their health plan, um, you know, with, with lots of love to our health plan customers and partners. That It's just the truth, right? You, you seek out those conversations with providers. So that's the moment in time 
that we need to be empowering to make better decisions. Ultimately, that's going to allow us to make lower cost decisions and drive better adherence for patients because they're going to be on a medication they can afford the first time rather than having to go through all the back and forth that's required today to, to accomplish that. You know, that's really funny you bring that up because my wife has a heart condition and we've got a great doctor here at KU and he prescribed a specific medication for her. The medication is $5,000. Okay. Now, I'm in a position where I can do that. Okay. Uh, I'm not happy about it, but she needs the med and we're going to do it. Now we're looking, you know, for an alternative to that, but he had no idea when he prescribed this drug, he didn't say anything to us about cost. He just, here's the drug. Here's what to expect. Here's the side effects. Here's how it's going to work. We're going to try it. Yada, 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 yada. And we find out, we go to get the medication. Villains. Well, this is, did you know this is $5,000? Okay. Well, if you're on Medicare, Okay, and you're on a Part D prescription drug plan, you just blew your whole year. Okay, uh, right. because your right. allocation is fifty four hundred. I think it's fifty four hundred dollars this year. Okay, that's one time. This is five thousand dollars every time it gets filled. All right. Yep. So for ninety sure. days. So 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 walk me back through that. You know, l- let's say that there's an alternative to this. So then you guys would say to the physician, hey, instead of instead of um, prescribing medication A, B, we can give this patient medication C, D, and it's exactly the same formulary. In other words, it, 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 it's the same drug, like the difference between a generic and a name brand, if you, Simvastatin versus Crestor, 99 and 9 tenths percent identical. Um, is that what we're talking about here, basically, giving that information to the doctor? Say, hey, doc, hold on. Before you tell them that, how about this? That, is that what we're doing? In general, yes. There's a little bit of nuance there. So direct generics, while we are uh, we are also learning about direct generics, that's, that's happening also at the pharmacy counter. So within the pharmacy software systems, they do they do those automatic swaps in most cases to take you from sort of Crestor to Simbastatin, for example. The um, uh, what we're doing is is you know one level deeper, which is kind of therapeutically equivalent but not direct generic. That's probably the most value that we can provide. Okay. Um, and, and uh, you know, pharmacy selection. So where a patient's preferred pharmacy might be the retail pharmacy on the corner. Yeah. Uh, and if, if there's a, you know, a better deal out there, in a lot of cases there's a $0.90 day program inside of many of these PBMs if you use their pharmacy. We're, we're also notifying about those sorts of things inside of workflow as well. So it's really just, it's, bringing the right information at the right time into that physician's decision-making workflow so that we can just nudge them uh, in a lower-cost direction where there's an opportunity to do so. There's not always an opportunity to do so, but but there are there often is, and we're just trying to connect the dots to make sure that docs can consider those and, and on behalf of their patients. Yeah, and so clearly, for instance, if if – if if our doctor had this information, if there was an alternative, we would have you know the, the, we would have had the opportunity to learn that, and we'd also have the opportunity to learn if there was a pharmacy where it makes more sense for us to go there versus the one that we went to. So th- I, 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 that is definitely improving <laughs> the patient experience uh, because of the, the information that you're giving the doctor to disseminate, right? Yeah, absolutely, and and even beyond that, right, is that the. You know, the only medication that works is the one the patient can afford. I think some doctor in Texas is the one that coined that phrase. But uh, we're just trying to empower the, the decision-making process with that information, right? U- ultimately, patient access broadly today happens kind of all over the place. You know, there's there's conversations with uh, 
you know, the health plans, utilization management teams or the customer service department that's representing that. There's sometimes, you know, in, in your case, if you got prescribed a, a high-cost branded med and the example you use, there might be a pharma-backed hub out there that can help you find Coke assistance or those sorts of things. Um, and then, you know, likely if it's one of those high-cost branded medications, you're also going to have a prior auth. And so you're going to have to find your way through the prior authorization process and ensure that you're the right fit or tried the right meds already or those sorts of things. And um, and so today, those are four or five different phone calls you would have to make to four or five different entities to sort of just get some sense of what the right decision is. The future we're driving towards is we want to put providers and their care teams at the center of that information, and they have to in a world where, uh, you know, the patient is taking more responsibility for first-dollar coverage. Um, so, you know, the goal is inform the prescribing process with costs and formulary exceptions and guide to lower-cost alternatives or guide the options where you can avoid a prior off if possible uh, and um, provide tools to the care team within the, within the office or within the health system to make sure that then we can help resolve any friction that's associated with that choice. So if, if it requires a prior off, help rapidly resolve the prior off. If it, if it has some out-of-pocket cost that's, that's extremely high, you know, find ways to help support that problem. Because those are things that are happening today. They're just happening in a disorganized way, and ultimately it's the patient's responsibility to figure it out. Uh, we want to create the, the right technology that allows providers and their care teams to be those advocates, because they're already trying. It's just, it's just not happening in a coordinated way. Yeah, and, and, and it's not. And I can tell you as a 26-year broker uh, that one of the angriest phone calls you would get is when someone called and they were told they'd get a prior auth for, prior auth for prescription drug medication and, and they have to jump through the step therapy and hoops and all the rest of it. And, and this program is eliminating that. It's, it's narrowing that focus down and it's doing a better job of it. And that in and of itself, folks, is what improves the patient experience and gets rid of a lot of heartache uh, for the, for the, for the patient, for the administrator of the health plan, et cetera, and it goes on. So the website for these folks is rxrevu.com, rxrevu.com. You can go up there, request a demo if you want information on this. They'll be happy to connect with you. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast-to-coast across the Fruited Plain here on the HIA Radio Network. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Our producer, Ms. Shaley Henning, I'm your host, Gary Hall, in not in studio with me, actually, in Seattle, Washington. Kyle Kaiser, CEO of RX Review. We're talking about all things pharmaceutical today and how they do what they do to improve the patient experience, um, connect providers with the world of reality, meaning the cost of a lot of these medications, how they go through these processes and smooth the process. You know, we were just off air a minute ago, and I was talking to Kyle about the fact that one of the angriest phone calls I would get 
would be from a client on a health insurance plan. And it didn't matter who the carrier was. If, if there was a pre-auth involved before they could get a med, they've got a problem, they've got a medical issue, and now they've got to get a pre-auth and they can't get the med until they go through that. Or there was step therapy where you had to try two or three other meds before you could get to the one that the doctor was calling. The problem with that process is the doctor didn't know when he – because he doesn't know what the health plan does or doesn't do, right? So that's what they're changing And it needs to be changed, I can assure you. It needs to be changed dramatically. Their website is rxrevu.com, rxrevu.com. Lots of information up there. If you want to learn more about this, maybe you're a TPA, maybe you're an independent broker, whatever the case may be, I strongly suggest you request a demo and take a look at it. It's pretty remarkable stuff. So where do you see this going? I mean, you guys are – the way I look at this is you're really on the cutting edge of this thing. I don't know – who else is doing this? I certainly haven't heard anybody doing it to the level you're doing it. Where do you see this technology going? And, and clearly, Kyle, the technology is improving the patient experience and improving the doctor experience from the standpoint of, you know, the doctor actually knows what's going on now. Uh, and, 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 it, and it's helping that. It's helping with the insurance carriers because the carrier, if there's an alternative med that's going to cost less, they're being told there's an alternative med or a pharmacy where they can go that's going to cost less. Where do you see all this going now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, well, there's a couple of things driving it. Uh, we've talked a lot about sort of just systemic change in healthcare and how it's paid for. That's absolutely a driver. In response to that, the other thing is there's, there are some regulatory tailwinds. So um, what's already in place is now uh, requirements for Part D plans to provide what's called real-time benefit tools. That's the industry name for what, one of the things that we do. Um, so, you know, real-time benefit is is a reality now and will become a more adopted reality because in many cases you write regulations for Medicare and everybody else does it too because, yeah. you know, if a health plan is going to adjust for Medicare, they're going to make that available to commercial members as well. Right. So um, that's already happened. And, and that we've seen the, the increase in adoption through, you know, we, we even got some health plan customers and PBM customers as a result of that. Uh, what's happening January 1st of this year or this coming year is uh, is patients will then have the ability to access that information. Same mandate, same capability, same uh, ability to do this real-time patient-specific pricing. Uh, real-time benefit tools will now have to be accessible to patients. Uh, so really the future that's, that is uh, emerging is providers, care teams, and patients uh, will all be able to sing from the same sheet of music for the first time, right? There will be a, there will be a digital way to exchange data between uh, health plans, PBMs, providers, their care teams, and the patient. We can create a system now that, that allows all of those uh, stakeholders to make decisions based off the same information uh, in real time uh, and quickly. So, you know, the, the future we see is uh, is the ability to do that at a massive scale, is that every healthcare decision in the future will have uh, cost as a consideration. And every healthcare deci- decision in the uh, in the future will have the ability to understand the complexity of plan design. So to your point about prior op, uh, one of the things that I've heard, I think it might have been in a health affairs article, is that the one of the number one reasons a health plan doesn't retain a member is whether or not they experienced a prior op. So yep. there's an extraordinary incentive for the health plan to solve this problem, too. It's a, you know, prior <laughs> a necessary risk management tool and, frankly, one of the few that they have. And in Medicaid, the only one they have, right? Yeah. It's not a, yeah. not a patient uh, responsibility change or a significant one. 
So, uh, you know, that, that's here to stay. What we can do as an industry is manage the distance between expectation and reality, right? We can, we can say, hey, here's what's going to happen, and here's the, the connectivity to get the right information to the right decision makers to do these things more rapidly. And, and, you know, ultimately not let the patient just sort of hold the bag, right? They have to figure it out for themselves today all too often. You have to be your own advocate in a really significant way to get to these answers. And, uh, you know, what the future I see and the future we're creating uh, is, um, is one where that's, that's not the case, where, where each uh, stakeholder has the ability to make decisions in real time around cost and plan design and, and access broadly, right, around affordability and speed to care. Those are the two categories we focus a lot on. You know, that's really interesting, especially when you talk about that pre-auth. As I said, that was one of the phone calls I hated to get. Um, and, it's, and, and clearly, I, I didn't realize that, that, that it was that big a driver on the insurance side in terms of losing, losing uh, 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 an, uh, an insured uh, client. So that, that's very interesting that, that, that it's that significant. So we're wrapping up here pretty quickly. But basically what I'm hearing you say is that this information is going to be available on a pedestrian level to people that are participating in this program, whether it's Medicare or whether it's a Blue Cross policy or Net or whatever the case may be. It'll be on your phone app. It'll be somewhere where you'll be able to see what the real-time price benefit is and how all of that works. That's right. And, and uh, much of the regulatory framework is setting it up to where you can delegate that information to an app you're already using. So if you're, if you're already using some piece of technology to make your healthcare decisions, then uh, what, what's uh, being established is the ability for you to pull this type of information into your own tools. So, so what will ultimately emerge are you know, tools focused really, really intensely on uh, making better decisions because you can now you know, have access to this data in a way that is more liquid, uh, more open, more transparent. And, and ultimately, the hope is that you know, that leads to better decision-making, lower-cost decision-making, yep. better adherence, better care compliance, all of those it, things. And I certainly think it does. And thank you again for doing this today. It was great. And I thought we had a lot of good information today. Their website is rxrevu.com, rxrevu.com. If you want to request a demo, you can certainly do that. Uh, we'd like to get Kyle back in here again and talk about how this is progressing as we go down the road, especially with that January 1st deadline coming up. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I leave you with this thought from Dr. Albert Einstein. The one who follows the crowd will usually get no further than the crowd. The one who walks alone is likely to find himself in places no one has ever been. Remember, friends, it's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the very best, you most often get it. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HI Radio Network. Goodbye, America. Yeah, I'm a love struck baby. You got me love struck baby.